you work and work and work some more. Sometimes you get enough sleep, water, and time for yourself to decompress. But are you getting enough? What happens to our bodies when we forget about the number one person in our life? Ourselves. Can you inadvertently create issues when it comes to your physical health, mental health, and even childbirth, if that's something on your list of to-dos someday? We have a very personal story for you today, and it could change your life. You've made it this far in your career, but is something holding you back from getting to the top? We're ditching the culture of competitiveness. We're women working together to help other women. We are Think Tank of Three. I'm Audrea, your business development coach. I'm Julie, your digital marketing strategist. And I'm Catherine, your media and public speaking expert. Three women from different backgrounds coming together to empower, support, and encourage other women professionally and personally. Let's do this together. Hi, this is Catherine Janicek here with Audrea Fink and Julie Holton, as always. Today, we're talking about health what you could be doing now that could actually hurt your plans for the future. I ignored the warnings in my 20s and 30s from my mom. I had migraines for 20 years and I just took these heavy migraine pills and I never really worked on the root cause. Or once in a while, I might go to you know a therapist and be like, I'm freaking out, I'm turning 30, and I just don't think I've accomplished as much as I wanted to, but I never really worked on the root cause. And I had to make some major life changes in my late 30s. And I hope this podcast helps you in some way if you're going through the same. Audrea, do you know some workaholic women in your life? Well, I sure do, Um, outside of maybe all of the members of the podcast. Uh, I I myself fall into this category. We, uh, I had a huge week this week at work where we had a bunch of stuff and I had developed like an eye twitch. And right before this podcast, we were talking and reading over the script. I got really emotional. I started crying because I think this idea of like pushing for success or pushing towards an outcome um, takes over and, and looking at like, what have I done for me lately is one of the last things on my mind. Absolutely. I mean, this is why I left news. I thrived in the crazy newsroom environment. I lived for that 24-7 lifestyle, but I had no time for me. I had no time to date. I had no time to even find a hobby, let alone have one. (laughs) And every time I stepped out of the newsroom, I felt it. I felt depressed. I felt anxious. It was like when I stepped out of the pressure cooker, I strangely felt more anxiety to get back in. And I knew it wasn't sustainable. But guess what? Even when I changed careers, my job changed, but that workaholic was still in me. So now I run a company. I have a team that depends on me. I have clients whose businesses depend on our work. I always feel that pressure to be on. I'm always working. I'm still in that pressure cooker. But now the difference is I try at least to constantly reassess how to make myself a priority so that, that, that depression and anxiety doesn't creep back in. And it's hard. I don't always do it the right way, right? It's that constant push pull. And we end up, you know, pushed into a situation where Audrea, like you said, you just, the week catches up to you or the month or the the several months catch up to you. And so I think for most women, we're constantly feeling that pressure. Now, Catherine, for you, I know that some of this really started to hit you, this like evaluation of what can I do to, to fix this? And I know that really started for you after you got married. Yes. Um, I knew I had this workaholic problem, but I didn't know it was going to affect me physically 
three years ago, I wanted to try to have a child. You know, I met and I married a man at 39 years old and I knew he would be a great husband and a dad. I was, I was 39 and I knew um, this was it. You know, somebody came up to me at a, an engagement party I was, I was at and they said, you know, you really should start like looking into your health now before you guys get married and actually then try to do this because it's been two years and I haven't been able to have a child. And so I actually went to a doctor six months before our wedding and I found out that I had really wrecked my, um, my adrenal glands, my thyroid. I had to go on a pill in order to be able to stay pregnant once we got pregnant. But those are things I did because of this fight or flight that we have. We wake up in the morning, we're like checking our calendar, checking Twitter, checking, you know, you can't breathe right when you wake up. That's a bad sign. Um, that's where I was at. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, I'm not fixed. I am nervous now about things because I own my business like Julie and it's really hard. You have to stay on this. Um, and, and mind you, I was never really 100% convinced that I wanted to have kids, but when you meet someone who's a great partner, they kind of tip the scales for me. I was never going to do it on my own and, and I was going to be fine if I was single the rest of my life. I was like one of those people, but quick synopsis, I found out through the dating thing, you know, we're dating and my husband told me that he had cancer years before. So we knew that we had to do IVF to get pregnant by using the sperm that he froze years prior. But my IVF wasn't working. Like I needed more, I needed help with more eggs and better quality eggs. And it turns out that that like type A lifestyle of working all the time and barely sleeping and never taking time for myself to decompress, meditate, whatever, that actually hurt my body. And it was definitely hurting me through the IVF process. And some friends, you know, had told me like, you really should try like acupuncture and, and massage and fertility yoga. And I, I was like, Ooh, that sounds a little woo woo to me. Like, I don't know if I can take the time to do that. And then finally, after going through a couple of rounds of IVF, I finally like listened to somebody and I was like, I'm going to try this stuff. Like I need this. And I um, literally, I just called up this place called pulling down the moon. It's in Chicago and they have fertility acupuncture, oils, supplements, massage, and yoga, and just overall great community of women. So you, you meet other women who are going through this. And after much more success, after seeing the experts there, I, I'm pregnant. You know, I'm, it, it, Maybe when you hear this, I will have already had my baby. But so today we're talking to one of the two female founders of Pulling Down the Moon in Chicago. Her name is Beth Heller. She has an incredible story of changing careers, launching these big health centers for women and her own personal loss that sparked it all. Beth, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to speak with you all. This topic is just so important. Thank you so much, Beth, for joining us. Julie here. Tell us, what were you doing before you founded these three big offices in Chicago and how you partnered with another woman to do this? I'm just laughing as I'm listening to each of your stories, how, how they resonate with me. It's, it's kind of funny. I got married at 23, but I didn't have my first child until I was 35. So there was a whole lot of workaholic between the time I got married and the time I had my child. and. Um, the thing that I, we're not talking about is how much we love the journey of the work, maybe, right? It's not like we're just out there grinding. We're out there because we're passionate and we're excited and we just want to be engaged with the world. So before I opened Pulling Down the Moon with my business partner, Tammy Quinn, I was in a graduate program. I was on a PhD track for nutrition. I was that typical stressed out graduate student. I was really, really lucky though, in that 
I ended up working with a group of midwives for my research project that were one of the first groups to challenge the blanket use of estrogen replacement therapy for menopausal women. This group of women researchers, they were all women, started to think about, well, maybe we can get to the same place using something like exercise instead of hormones to manage menopause. So that was really groundbreaking for me. I was working with you know, academic nurses who were engaged in looking at health in a different way. I was very clearly at that point, I wanted to be a PhD, I wanted to do research, I wanted to publish, I wanted to be a professor. And all of a sudden, one day I was in my grind, in my daily life, I'd been married forever, running on the treadmill as we do to just try to get rid of the stress, stay in shape, all the things that go along with being a professional woman. And I just heard a voice that said, stop. And it was crazy because up until that point, I was not woo-woo. Catherine, I had to laugh about your woo-woo comment because that was not my approach. But I heard a voice and you know, there's the big red stop button and I hit it. And that treadmill started to slow down. And I look back at that moment and it was just, it was my life started to slow down at that point. I wandered off of the treadmill. I had no idea what to do next. I had an hour scheduled to work out and there was a yoga class starting. So this was in mid 90s, so it wasn't quite the thing it is today, but I ended up going to yoga. And by the end of that class, I walked out, I bought a mat, I bought a book. I just felt like something had to shift, like I really had reached my breaking point. And that's where the journey to pulling down the moon started. Beth, Audrey here. Given your different backgrounds, what led you and your partner to start these fertility clinics? We came from very different paths to converge together, Tammy and I. Um, as I said, I was doing my PhD work. Ended up thinking with my husband, one of these days, we're going to want to start a family. Went off the pill, gosh, sometime in the mid-90s, right? Around the time before I started yoga, but was expecting that we were gonna have to, I gave him the big lecture, we're gonna have to use condoms, I don't wanna get pregnant, I need to do this, I need to do that. And didn't get my period for a year after going off the pill. Didn't get my period for another year after going off the pill. Didn't get my period for another year after going off the pill. And finally, one of my dear friends said, you know, honey, you're getting older, you need to go figure out what is going on. You know, you may not want a kid right now, but it's not normal. So ended up going to see a fertility doctor, did my first fertility workup. It was at a teaching hospital. So got the pelvic exam from the doctor and got the pelvic exam from the seven residents he had in tow. <laughs> and they all chit chatted together and told me that I was a class, like a textbook case of hypothalamic amenorrhea. And I kind of knew what that was just because I had been in the endocrinology world, but I remember him telling me, you have hypothalamic amenorrhea. It's not dangerous. When, when you want to get pregnant, we can do Clomid and that'll help jumpstart your cycle. And I remember walking out of there and just those words going through my head, hypothalamic amenorrhea. That really sounds like the endocrine system. Let me look that up on the internet, which was kind of new at that point. And I looked it up and lo and behold, the things you do for hypothalamic amenorrhea it's related to not getting enough sleep. It's related to not eating enough. It's related to exercising too hard. It's related to stress, right? So boom, I had four things on my plate right there that were contributing to that hypothalamic amenorrhea 
And it's about that time that I heard that stop button, or I heard that voice say stop, that I hit the stop button, started yoga. And this crazy thing happened. Three months later, I got my period back after four years. And then three months after that, I ended up getting pregnant for the first time. So I was on my own personal journey towards pregnancy. Ended up getting pregnant naturally after all of those years of amenorrhea. But then I had my first miscarriage three months later after that. So it's kind of thought I had it all figured out. And then I realized I did not have it all figured out with that loss. And that brought me into teacher training for yoga, going much deeper into how yoga supports reproduction. I ended up dropping my PhD program, getting my master's degree, really just following that call to slow down a little bit. And, you know, like anything, we think we're slowing down, but I was speeding up in another way too. It was just getting on a different path. So it took a a long time. It took another year and a half and I managed to conceive again naturally and have an amazing, amazing pregnancy that ended in a stillbirth at 38 weeks. And You know, it was just one of those moments yet again, where you learn that no matter how hard you work, you can't control everything in your life. But an amazing thing happened with that loss. Uh, I had met Tammy Quinn through my local yoga studio. She's now my business partner, has been my business partner for 16 years. And she was supposed to cover my maternity leave. So we had connected on that. We weren't close friends, but then she learned that I had this stillbirth. So we just had this really intimate connection from a random event in our life. And it turns out that Tammy herself had been a fertility patient. She had fertility twins at home. And shortly after I came back from my non-maternity leave, we started to talk about yoga for fertility. And we both had this vision of empowering women through yoga, but also all those other lifestyle teachings of yoga to support their own fertility, to kind of be in charge of their fertility and learn that there are a lot more tools out there available to them than just Clomid or just that medical path. So really that's how pulling down the moon came into being. That's Julie here. I'm, I'm listening to your story and just captivated. And I can only imagine that our audience is as well. And coming from so many different points of view and walks of life and various stages of whether they're going to have children or not. And, and so hearing you talk about, um, hearing you talk about some of those issues that you learned in your life that you had control over, but didn't realize initially stress, how you were eating, what you were eating, whether you were getting enough sleep at night. Those are all things that on many levels we can control or we can try to control. And so I also wonder what are you finding now? Are you dealing with, um, are you finding more women dealing with fertility issues? What do you think? And, and how, how much of, of those issues are things that we can start to focus on now? I think there are an increasing number of women seeking fertility treatment, particularly younger women and more women who have partners with male factor issues. Now, I'm not sure if that's because there are more women with infertility or perhaps that through social media, through um, actually through a lot of the marketing that's being done by fertility clinics, women are addressing their fertility earlier. So 
I'm not sure where it's coming from, but I do, one thing we are seeing people be a little bit more aggressive, starting earlier with treatment, testing their fertility, getting hormones levels, hormone levels checked and those sorts of things. So are you, um, is your clinic or is your focus maybe just treating women who want to have children or is there treatment out there for women like me who definitely suffer, you know, health issues due to, due to stress, but don't necessarily go down the path of fertility for it? It's funny because when I think of pulling down the moon, I think that we treat anybody that just wants to rock their journey in life, um, in particular women, because that's what we do all day, every day. I don't know how many clinics see the sheer amount of women. And when you come in for fertility, we're, we're never just treating fertility, we're treating lifestyle. That's what holistic medicine does. So we're treating endometriosis, we're treating insomnia, we're treating eating disorders, we're treating stress. All of those things are what we specialize in because those are all the things that need to heal to make somebody optimally fertile or have a better chance of conceiving. I just read this article um, and I'll make sure to share it in the notes. It came out from Science Daily, and it, um, the headline is that women gain weight when job demands are high, and men don't, statistically speaking. Um, but it, essentially, what they're, and I don't want to get on the weight gain train, because I don't think that's a healthy conversation, but the, this idea that when women are put in pressure situations, like our bodies react in a certain way, and it's pretty consistent through weight gain. And then I think about all the women I work with, and none, not a lot of us are skinny, right? Like... I think it's interesting, Adria. I think women use food to control and manage their stress. And for some women, they don't eat. When I get stressed, I can't eat. Like that's the way I respond to job stress. It, it, but it's always something it, we do tend to use that food as a way to manage our emotions and manage the stressors in our lives. And I think that's one of the top messages that I've learned over the years at Pulling Down the Moon is that life is stressful, ladies, right? We cannot change that stress. Most of us, a lot of us are driven. And like each of you said, we've all, we're all workaholics. We've all made changes, but we're still us, right? You know, we're right. still managing that internal drive. And I don't want my drive to go away. But what I've learned is that I can't control that drive and I can't control the stress, but I can really control the way my body reacts to it by making sure that I'm eating really nourishing foods and I'm avoiding uh, empty calories. I'm avoiding chemicals in my foods, making sure that the products I use are clean, um, really paying attention to my sleep, making that a priority. All the practicing yoga or meditation, physically changes the way your body responds to daily stress, not just when you're on the mat, but they have studies that show that women who practice yoga regularly have better antioxidant response to stressors. They make less stress hormones when they're stressed. We've trained our bodies not to not experience stress, but to not react so intensely and on the physical realm. So I think that's just a really empowering message for those of us who might be workaholics and might love that part of ourselves is that that might not change, but we can change the way our body responds to that stress. I think it's really important what you were just talking about because I've been doing acupuncture now. For me, it was fertility acupuncture, but it's also helped my migraines dramatically. And I've been doing it for about a year and a half now at, at your you know center at pulling down the moon. But um, I also noticed it, it has affected my response time a little bit to, to things. I don't 
overreact like I used to. I don't, um, and I also wonder if it's because my thyroid's a little more in control now too, because it's one of the things that when you have like hypothyroid, you can be more irritable. You can, and that's so, and that I've controlled now with my diet. You know, I've learned that this is what I was dealing with. I wouldn't have known unless I'd started to try to have a baby. Um, so I don't know if I would still be that super irritable person now if I wasn't, if I didn't get married and tried to have a child and found out that I had hypothyroidism. I was right on the border. But that acupuncture I do now, which is for fertility, it really has helped me cope you know, better. My, um, my, I don't, I'm not as quick to anger. I don't pick fights with my husband. My relationship is very different with him than it, than any relationship in the past has ever been. So that acupuncture, the yoga, those things can really help you whether or not you're doing the fertility thing. Right. And it's so interesting, Catherine, to hear you say that, because I wonder after you have the baby, are these things, acupuncture, massage, are these things in yoga, are these things that you're going to continue doing now that you see the health benefits for you and not just for the pregnancy? I have to. I When I saw my migraines go down like this, because um, they're treating certain points when I go in, they're helping me with my fertility, but they're also, you know, they're helping the baby right now because I'm currently pregnant and doing the, um, the acupuncture. But I have to do it because I realize if I go every week, I don't have this back pain that I normally had or this muscle pain or the, which can sometimes lead to, you know, other stuff where I don't get as stressed as fast that could might might be leading to the migraine. So, and I'm also going to keep on this, you know, this diet that I've been on. It's not really diet. I just changed. I can, I eat completely in, um, anti-inflammatory now, no glutens, no dairy. And I know I get a headache when I uh, incorporate a gluten or dairy. So these changes that I had to make to get pregnant, they are changes that I have to keep for the rest of my life because I feel better. So it's just amazing what I've found just through, you know, we, research and talking to doctors and experts like Beth. Um, so Beth, tell me, it's really, really interesting to me about the partnership of two women from different, you know, backgrounds, two different, you know, you guys did, did different things professionally. What is it like working with another woman? How do you split up the work? How do you guys get it all done? Um, just how does it work? Tammy and I joke that we share a brain and I honestly think that the Tammy and Beth of Pulling Down the Moon has been the driving force of our success. We just get it. We both had kids. I was having my kids while, I, while we were opening our first center. I had my first child three weeks after we opened our first center. So there's just been this acceptance of fluidity and we don't blame. We just have each other's back and we both were, we all know who works harder than a woman. I don't mean to get on my, my soapbox, but we may not work until 1130 at night, but if, if it's going to get done, it's going to get done. And if it doesn't get done, the other person understands why and picks up that slack. And that has just been the way that our business has worked from the very get go. And I think that, I think people like that too, when they see, when people come and work at Pulling Down the Moon, I think they appreciate the way that Tammy and I work together. I think it's an ethos we try to, you know, kind of send out throughout the company and try to be supportive of different lifestyles and flexibility and those sorts of, you know, things that you need as a woman in, the, in a, a working environment. And can I say something really fast, just because I've been there? I think that you two have changed the mold um, for 
a company because you also a lot of the women who work there they they don't work full time you know you they work on their you know you've you've made these great part time positions where they can work while also you know being flexible enough that they can take care of their children a lot of people i found work there because they were there for fertility help and then they were like i really like being here do you have a job for me can i work your front desk can i answer the phones can That's i awesome. you know it, it's isn't that neat audrea yeah. it's like and so you have all these women who understand when you walk in, they're like, they don't tell you their story, but they've been there. So they understand if you're cranky or you have to cancel because maybe, you know, your blood work that morning went a little long or whatever. They've been there and they understand. And I just like you as founders, you've created this business that is helpful to other women and their lives. And it's not like they have to decide between their personal life or their work life. Yeah, we created what we needed and we hope that we can keep creating what other women need. Um, so some people, and there's nothing wrong with having a full-time career, that nine to five thing is, it's totally great for some people. For others, it's just too much. And so I feel like pulling down the moon is kind of a middle ground where you can have a, a strong cutting edge career if you're an acupuncturist or a massage therapist or a nutritionist, but you really only have to be there two days a week. <laughs> And you get in, you get out, and you're done. And that's been a huge part of our vision. So awesome to hear. I love that. Sort of speaking about creating a career that allows for your life, after you started these centers, your family and personal life sort of shifted. And so life took Tammy to L.A. and you to Green Bay. So neither one of you are actually in Chicago anymore. So how do you both manage this business from far away? Plus, you have multiple centers in Chicago, and you're no longer in Chicago. Talk to us about that a little. Yeah. Good thing is we've been around for 16 years now. So a lot of pulling down the moon is established, right? We, we're doing what we're doing. We, we continue just because of the nature of the professionals that we have working for us. We continue to innovate just because they're the kind of people that stay at the forefront of their area of expertise. So that's a wonderful thing. Uh, it's very funny. Tammy and I worked together for 12 years and the exact same year, my husband came home and said, I do not want to live in Chicago anymore. I want to move to Wisconsin. We need to be closer to my family. And it's the same, same exact year when Tammy's son got involved in, uh, in the Disney Channel and she, she had to move out to LA to be with him. And it was the, I, sometimes I just feel like this business, talk about woo-woo, I feel like it is guided because there's no other way that that could have happened yet again without one of us feeling like we were stuck holding the, the bag, you know, and you get to go to LA or you get to move to Green Bay. Nope. It, it's just the way it happened. And we were blessed by having this amazing staff. I think it's partially because the work we do at Pulling Down the Moon is so meaningful to the people that work there. You know, it is about, it's not only about fertility for me. It's, it's also about the women themselves because I learned so much about myself. I came into my own through my fertility journey and that's what I want pulling down the moon to be for, for others, whatever the outcome might be. So that mission is so compelling that people want to keep the place running when we're not there. And we've got things like Skype. We do leadership calls. We do Skype meetings. We have, we, we can do everything just the way we're doing this now virtually. I think if listeners take nothing away from this podcast, but what you just said is that you can create an environment 
that supports the people you work with and gets them fired up so that they continue the mission even if you're not there. And you're here. That's, that's so beautiful. Sorry. And the mission becomes their mission. When you have right? a team and everyone has ownership in that, that's when the mission thrives. And I want to give a shout out to Catherine because she came in and she did a workshop with our team. And I think we've been very clear. We've all known in our heart while why we are there. But that afternoon was really special. Catherine really pushed us to identify our why. And we've gone back to that over and over again. And it's something that we knew, but we hadn't articulated. And now there's just that power that whenever somebody comes, wants to get involved, it's like, hey, this is our why. And if this isn't your why, it's probably not a good fit for you. If it's your why, you're gonna love it here and you're gonna be set for life. So I, that's just a really, I agree with you that that is a message that you know, if you find that why and you find other people that share it, you can do anything. Thank you, Beth. That was really nice of you. Beth, I would love to give our listeners some kind of tactical takeaways today for, all, for women in, in every walk of their journey, fertility or not. And so one thing that, that I know, and I'm, this is still, I feel like I'm in my infancy in this journey, but a few years ago, I cleaned out my entire home of all cleaning chemicals. Um, I did a total ditch and switch. I started purchasing Young Living products and got rid of the chemicals because I was so alarmed at what I was reading and what I was hearing from Catherine as my friend who was going through um, her fertility journey. And so in reading that chemicals can lead to infertility and cancer. And, and I'm not just talking about like the toilet bowl cleaner. I'm also talking about the makeup I was putting on my skin. And I had no idea that what I was putting on my face every day were in some cases well-documented cancer-causing chemicals. So what are some simple changes from your point of view that women can do at home? I think, as you said, looking at the products, really trying to get rid of the chemicals, um, going for more natural, organically made solvents, cleaners, makeups, shampoos, etc. The other thing I really encourage women to do is know where they are leaning on artificial means to get through their day. So it's good every once in a while to go off caffeine so you can understand what your real energy levels are. Just saying that and I'm like, mm -mm, I'm out, I'm out. <laughs> right? But you, the things that we, we rely on, that we think we have energy, we think we get through our days. See how much sleep you need if you're not drinking caffeine. See how much sleep you need if you're not eating sugar throughout the day. So test yourself, test those little crutches like your caffeine. Sure, I'm all for a glass of wine. I think a glass of wine is a wonderful thing at the end of the day, but are you self-medicating? Can you go a couple days? How is your life without that crutch? And oftentimes we realize that we're pretty good and we've got things, you know, we're balanced. And other times we find out that, man, I am a complete basket case and I'm drinking three glasses of wine because I'm not addressing that. So for me, that's just a simple audit. Get rid of a couple of crutches, see how life goes. It doesn't have to be forever. It's just, you do it as kind of a science experiment. So that would really be my recommendation. Uh, no one has to admit this on the panel, but I definitely know that before we started the fertility journey, I was definitely self-medicating. I was the person who I couldn't go a night without a glass of wine. And uh, this journey of being <laughs> like, I know I'm not sober because it's pregnancy. I mean, that's not being, you know, but I tell you, 
even between IVFs, I wasn't drinking definitely not as much as I did in my 20s and 30s because I knew this couldn't be good for making eggs. The sugar, first of all, I had Googled or the sugar's terrible for making eggs to have a baby. But um, I realized that I was, I wasn't dealing with my emotions because it was too easy to just grab a glass of wine and just relax. So I'm really glad you brought that up because I forget about that change that I had to make. I think it's so easy to self-medicate too. I, like I'm thinking about on this week, which was super awesome. I won at work and I lost at life. Um, but I drank more coffee this week than I have had like in the last month. But like, I think it's really easy to look at how you self-medicate and find those things. Um, and I think it's so much easier to get home and be like, I'm exhausted. I'm going to just put my feet up and have a glass of wine and like zone out on the TV. Or for me, it's reading. Like I come home, I lay in bed and I read. I don't sleep. I'm not like relaxing. I'm not letting loose. I'm just, I have wine to counteract all the coffee I drink. Yeah, I think we all do that. I think there's one other thing I would throw out there. I don't know where this would fit, but with infertility in particular, because that is our specialty, one of the things I'm finding is that there's more awareness of fertility issues, more awareness, maybe more diagnosis of fertility challenges. But what we've lost is this ability to be patient about it. So there are lifestyle things we can do to improve our odds of getting pregnant. But we also have really great medical treatment, which I'm all for Western medical fertility treatment, but it presents kind of a silver bullet. It's like, why would I stop self-medicating if IVF is available to me? Why would I make these changes or do acupuncture or try massage if there is this medical solution? And I think over the 16 years that I've been at the moon, it's, you learn that the medical, it's not a foolproof. It seems like, it, of course, it's going to work. It's always going to work. Why wouldn't it work? The egg and the sperm together in the uterus, it's going to work. But it does not have a super high success rate. So if we can just get women to look a little bit sooner at their fertility, maybe go off the pill a little bit sooner, maybe build three months of self-care and lifestyle change into their pregnancy journey, their fertility journey, I think that would change a lot of lives. I think it would save a lot of money. I think it would save a lot of stress. And I think ultimately we'd end up with healthier babies because we would be addressing these lifestyle issues, the exhaustion, the self-medication, the, the not you know doing enough exercise or doing too much exercise. We'd solve those earlier on. And it's not like your problems go away once you have a baby. Like, you know, everything that you did is still there after the fact. So I just wish this idea of a little bit more planning, a little bit more patience and addressing lifestyle first would be the first message that women get about their fertility. Well, I think it goes beyond that too. Like I look at my personal health and I, when I walk into the doctor, my doctor says, there is nothing wrong with you. Your health is perfect, but I don't sleep well, right? I can't get up in the morning. It doesn't matter how much I sleep. I cannot wake up in the morning. Um, I can't get through my day without coffee. Like I, so I don't, I mean, I, it's, I'm not saying that medical science doesn't have value, but I don't think it's enough, right? If I know I go to the chiropractor and I go to acupuncture and I work out and I get massage, my lifestyle gets significantly better. If I don't do those things, my blood work is still perfect. My um, blood pressure is still perfect. My doctor still says, there's nothing wrong with you. We don't know why you're not sleeping. Try melatonin. 
you know? So I don't think it's just, yeah, I, I don't think it's just fertility. I think women in general need to learn how to not take it all on. And to Beth's point, if I would have done it earlier on in my fertility journey, I'm going to say a number here and it's going to freak some people out at home, but it'll, it'll really nail down the point of that you need to do this earlier on. You have to start thinking about your future earlier on and make these changes because last year alone, last year, we spent $50,000 out of pocket. That's beyond our insurance. So $50,000 out of pocket for um, our baby, to, to our, for IVF, for um, the supplements we needed, but really it was like all the doctor appointments. So know that the year before, we also spent about that much. So if I would have done these things and found out sooner that I had done this to my body because of work and being and not being able to cope with work and stress, I would have saved probably $50,000. So when people, because people ask me, well, you know, does your insurance cover acupuncture or massage? Well, a lot of insurances don't. Mine, in my case, it didn't. Some people's cases it does. But then you sit there and go, gosh, for a $75, you know, little acupuncture, once in a while, maybe I would have been able to save $50,000 last year. So it's just, it's, I say that number not to go like, oh, poor me. It's just to nail home the thing that I, if I maybe didn't take three years to do this or two and a half years, I might've saved a lot of money. So um, if I would have heeded the warnings that my mother had given me in my twenties and thirties to just decompress and take acupuncture and go to yoga and relax and deal with the root cause of my stress, I may have had an easier go at fertility and I wouldn't have had to maybe spend the $50,000 last year out of pocket. And that's not, you're not alone. I have two friends going through it right now and they, their insurance covered the first round and they're on their third round. And so there's the money that is being spent on this is not, it's not insignificant. So you're not alone in that dollar amount. So it just, I wanted to like, we sit there and we talk about all this fun stuff, but the, sometimes people don't really get it until they hear a number. So I just wanted to push yeah. that number out there. Okay. So Beth, before we go, we collect advice from these successful women that we interviewed in our podcast. We do this every time we do this. Um, and we like to share this with our think tank forum. So we have a couple rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Here's the first one. Is there a lesson that you've recently learned that you wish you would have learned earlier in your career? Don't be frightened. I find that my natural instinct is to think of everything that can go wrong, especially when I am presented with an opportunity. And when I put that out of my mind and I just move forward, I find that I am acting on opportunities right and left just by getting rid of that one little habit. What advice would you offer to your younger self 10 years ago? You know, that makes me smile because I have really liked myself for the last couple of decades. And I think my journey into yoga, into thinking a little bit deeper about the path that I'm on and the people I've been able to connect with for that, you know, I, I do think it's a really wonderful gift. So I think if I could go back 30 years, I would say don't stress so much because when you're 30, you're really going to start to like yourself. What would you say is the most important skill for a woman to learn in today's professional setting? I think being consistent because we're constantly, there are so many different mediums in which we're conveying our message, in which we're trying to share our why. That 
it's very easy to, if you really don't have that North Star of consistency, and if you don't wake up every morning and really remember what you're trying to do, I think it ultimately hurts because you will come across as inauthentic or you just, there's just too many different ways to message out there. So I think knowing your message, knowing it in your heart and really sticking to it, being consistent with that is, is something that is really, really important today. It's great. It's a good reminder for everyone, for everyone, whether you own a business or you don't. Beth, how do people find you if they need to reach out because they've heard this and they need help? There are a couple different ways. You could visit pullingdownthemoon.com for our website. Tammy and I have also written a couple books. We've written a book called Fully Fertile and a book called The Infertility Cleanse. So if that's specific to your journey, it's got a lot of great lifestyle. A lot of the lifestyle changes that I've alluded to are outlined in both of those books. So that's a great place to start. Terrific. So it's pullingdownthemoon.com. Excellent. This has been a great conversation. Thank you, Beth, for making time. It is, I hope we've reached someone. I mean, that's our why. We want to reach people and make some kind of difference. And I hope we have done that with this podcast. I know we've done this with this podcast. If you at home have topics to discuss, please send us a message at thinktankof3 at gmail.com. Join us as we continue this conversation online at thinktankof3.com. We blog weekly, subscribe, and you will get a first alert email to when a new podcast is up or a new blog is up. And find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Be sure to join our private group on Facebook where we all give and get advice freely. So if this is something, if this topic really touched you and you want to talk about this privately, please go into our private group, the Think Tank of Three private group, and we'll talk about it. Or if you have a question, I can share more information if you have a specific question. So please go into the private group for that. You've made it this far in your career, but is something holding you back from getting to the top? We're ditching the culture of competitiveness. We're women working together to help other women. We are Think Tank of Three. I'm Audrea, your business development coach. I'm Julie, your digital marketing strategist. And I'm Catherine, your media and public speaking expert. Three women from different backgrounds coming together to empower, support, and encourage other women professionally and personally. Let's do this together.